Today, in your hearing, the Scripture has been fulfilled. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, please be seated. In your bulletin, hopefully you found an insert, well, in your, inside your bulletin, hopefully you found an insert with this icon in anime style. Jennifer Sunshine Via Lobos is a delightful young lady with a delightful gift of iconography and a kind of a modern, uh, modern style. Um, Jennifer Sunshine is a member of St. Barnabas Church in DeLand, and she does the bulletins for St. Barnabas uh, every week. And um, thankful for the cathedral, she uh, wrote as a gift to the cathedral in honor of the feast of our patron, St. Luke, this anime styling of a young Luke. And when this came in, I must say, I became captivated with its image. Sunshine, as Jennifer likes to be called, had no way of knowing that this particular celebration of our patronal feast happens to take place to the day on the 50th anniversary of my spiritual new birth. So today it's happy re-birthday, Reggie. Thank you for being here and for wearing red. That's awesome. October 20th, 1969. An eventful year was 1969. Woodstock, moon landing, New York's Stonewall, uh, Stonewall Bar, the Mets winning the World Series of all things, and Reggie's being born again. Only this week in seeing Luke's youthful face as Jennifer conceives it, do I find myself touched from the other side of spiritual reality which is what icons are designed to do, by a realization of some aspects of the dynamic that Jesus set into play in my life 50 years ago today. So if you will indulge me. The basic contours of my little story. I had been Mr. Everything in high school in Plantation, Florida, though I hadn't cracked a book since the seventh grade begrudgingly submitting to my parents' frugal will, I wound up at a college that had been my second choice. I had recently been rebuffed by a girl, and I didn't know anybody on campus. William and Mary was 941 miles away from home. I was one weary 18-year-older and I was not sure I was ready for the effort that it would take to try to climb back to the top. And to my surprise, the only friends I seemed to make were born-again type Christians. They had about them an unassuming joy, and they offered an acceptance of me that, that felt unqualified and and real. 
I began a spiritual quest. What made them tick? October 21st, I'm sorry, October 20th was a Monday. The prior weekend was homecoming. A few non-Christian dorm mates and I had reveled a bit, and really just a bit, over the weekend. One of the Christian leaders heard about it and expressed his disappointment when he saw me that Monday. Him. I thought you were serious about the faith, but I guess you're not, really. Me, well, no, really, I am. Him, okay, want to come to my dorm and talk about it? Me, sure. In his room. Him, you've been approaching this whole thing as though it were a mental puzzle to be worked out. But there's more to it. There's your heart. There's this question. Who do you love and why? Here's a piece of paper. I want you to write down the name of every person you've ever wronged. Every, every time you've hurt someone. And just in case God's in the business of loving people through Jesus, that he really ought to cast into the outer darkness, who should be, who should you be in the outer darkness because of? Well, I started writing. And a couple of pages in, I'm dissolving in tears. I honestly feel something like a presence invading my being. And I find myself asking Jesus in, confessing my need for the Father's forgiveness, and asking Jesus to interpose his cross between me and God's wrath, and between me and all the people that I had hurt. And I found myself calling upon his spirit, this invading presence, to give me the power to change. My host excused himself, went down the hall to the vending machine, and returned with a grape knee-high soda, took some saltines that he had purloined from the cafeteria, and said, welcome to the family. Here's your first communion. Jennifer Sunshine Villalobos' icon of a youthful Luke is so meaningful to me. Because even though I know that when you look at me, you see an old guy, when I look at me, I see that 18-year-old kid, newly alive in Christ, with a whole new world of wonder and mystery to explore. That world is still wondrously new and mysterious to me, and thanks now and no small part to you and all the Cathedral Church of St. Luke family. I'd like to take a little more, a look, I'd like to look a little more closely at today's text. And here are the things that I began to realize that day that Jesus had come to deal with in me. Good news for the poor. 
I was bankrupt. As Jesus pressed upon me an awareness of who he is, it began to dawn on me how much I had made sure I had friends who could make me look good. How hard I had worked to pretend that I was smarter than I was, more caring than I was, cooler than I was. Release for captives and freedom for the oppressed. My first hints that I wasn't totally in control of my whole life were my parents' choice of a school and the girl that just wouldn't have me. I realized I was burdened by anger and resentment, a prisoner to rejection and self-pity. Insert sidebar. That rejection by the girl thing, it worked out really pretty well. Because just a couple years later, I've met the future Mrs. Kidd. Praise be. Sight for the blind. There were lots of things that I simply hadn't learned to see. How blind I was to my younger brother's extraordinary gifts and talents who's no longer alive just because they were different from mine. And all I could think about was, well, me. And I'd been blind to how much my parents had denied themselves to provide for me. Only later, after Jesus had established his meddlesome presence, would it begin to dawn on me how invisible to me also were people of color, and how unimaginable to me were the limits and boundaries with which young women around me had been raised. Good news for the poor, release for captives and freedom for the oppressed, sight for the blind, and the year of the Lord's favor. The whole story of the Bible is a yearning on our part and a promise on God's part for a return to a garden of innocence, a yearning for and a promise of the restoration of purity stolen or wrongly surrendered. The nation of Israel had been instructed to enact God's promise of renewal by returning land to its original owners every 50 years. It was called the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, the trumpet, the shofar was to be blown. Slaves were to be set free. Debts forgiven and land returned and even given a time of rest. As a little bit as Leviticus 25, verses 9 through 10 puts it, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land, and you shall hallow the 50th year, and you shall pro proclaim liberty throughout the land to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Not surprisingly, the jubilee was never really fully enacted. It sort of hung out there more as aspiration than actual practice. And the prophet Jeremiah said that the failure to practice the Jubilee was one of the reasons for the exile. For Isaiah, though, the promise of Jubilee still stood. He called it 
the year of the Lord's favor. It's coming. A promise that one day God himself would free slaves, forgive debts, and make his whole creation new. Jesus, quoting Isaiah, says, on this day in the town of his upbringing, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. My today began 50 years ago today. When into my life walked that same Jesus of Nazareth, saying, today is the day because I became poor for your sake, took your debt and paid it on the cross. Today there is freedom from the bankruptcy of your soul. Freedom to admit you aren't everything you want people to think you are. Freedom simply to be my child and my friend. Today is the day because I took the worst that people could do to me and because I did so on your behalf personally and for a host of others. Today there is release from captivity to your circumstances and the oppression of obsessions. Today is the day because on the cross I saw you and heard your heart's cry for release and forgiveness. Today you begin to see others with my eyes and hear them with my ears. Today is the day that in me there's a clean slate. Innocence for the fallen. Today, you and I, we begin again. And so, this day of the Feast of St. Luke, however you experience your poverty, whether internally or externally, may Jesus give you the freedom to own it and give it to him. Your poverty can become your greatest wealth. This day, the Feast of St. Luke, however you experience captivity or oppression, an addiction or obsession, a relationship that feels claustrophobic, a job situation that you are convinced is hopeless, may Jesus come to your side. This day of the Feast of St. Luke, wherever your blind spots are, Wherever your ears have become dull to the pain around you, may Jesus give you his eyes and his ears. And finally, this day of the Feast of St. Luke, wherever you feel weary and heavy laden, worn down by woulda, coulda, shoulda, to whatever extent your life is controlled by regret, to whatever extent you're ready to give up and curl up, or to distract yourself with mind-numbing, soul-deadening busyness, may Jesus meet you afresh. May you taste him anew at the table. May he let you hear him proclaim for you the year of the Lord's favor. And may he make you 
on this day of the Feast of St. Luke, forever young. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.